fruit. Noel? Amazing. Mm. Very good. Well, um, to begin, to begin, to begin. Open your Bibles for you. Um, I said to you, I've said to you last week, you know, as a sort of a, from the preaching perspective, we've been in a bit of a, a bit of a holding pattern, is the way I described it last week, because we've been looking at, you know, this. Uh, it's what Steve was just describing taking place, this desire for spiritual awakening within, within the church and uh, to be alive to Christ and, to, and then to discuss what the power of the gospel is and, how, and what that looks like within our lives, how the gospel manifests itself in our lives and to be able to be that light to this world. And we've been, we've been, we've been focusing on these things, you know. And... Um, and next week, I want, to get back, I want to get back into Romans. Um, but I want, to, I want to share these verses with you this morning before we do that. Because the truth is, you know, we can, we can pray for revival until the Lord returns. But if it doesn't happen in here first... You know, because every great move of God, we, you know, we can read the books and we can, we can, we can truly, truly be encouraged by those, those sovereign acts of God in our world. When God literally intervened and just shook up communities and, um, and the church became alive and bold and free to share the gospel and people got saved and, you know, and, and, and we, can, we can look and we can read it. But what you've got to realize before any of that happened... Before any of that happened, there was a broken heart before God. There were people weeping before God. There were people just desiring salvation for the lost. It starts, it starts in the sanctity of the human heart. You know? And so I want to bring you back to these verses. Let's read them with me, will you? For this cause I bow my knee. Wonderful. We find this morning the Apostle Paul on bended knee. He says, for this cause I bow my knee, verse 14, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit. Please notice this, in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, and this is what we pray God would do, isn't that right? Who are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in in us and then this glorious doxology when he says and unto him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end amen let's pray father oh again we love you and we thank you that we are your children and we, Father, stand in awe of the fact that, that you're our God, that you've called us unto yourself, Father, that you've filled us with your truth. You've sent your Son to die in our place. 
and you've born us again in resurrection life. Father, I thank you for that truth that leads us and guides us. And I pray, Father God, that you would call us into an ever-deepening intimacy with you, that yes, Lord God, we would be in your presence, not only in prayer time, but in all times, Lord God, that we would know the intimacy of fellowship with you, that everything we do and everything that we say, Lord God, let it be about your presence and your purpose and your desired blessing for our lives, Lord God. Search us. Change us. And if there's anything within us that separates us from you, I pray, Lord God, that even now you would shine the light of your conviction upon it, Father. Have your way in our hearts. And may the power of your gospel message continue to transform our lives and give us a message to, to, to share with this dying world, precious God. Precious God, fill us with your presence overflow us, Spirit of God, that we might become all that you want us to be. Father, we sit here present before you this day and simply ask, ask, Lord God, that you would have your way. For we, Father, just want to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, we find the Apostle Paul on his knees. Do you think he was there very often? What a great posture for prayer, don't you think? You know. Oh, by the way, if you come here on a Sunday night to pray with us, and by, way, by no means am I advocating that this is how someone should pray, but you know, I love being here on a Sunday night, and, and we're all with our individual different postures gathered together, some on their knees, some sitting, some standing. However it is, the, the physical posture is not the important thing, is it? But it is the prayer. And I love this prayer that the Apostle Paul is praying. And I do love the fact that we find the Apostle Paul on his knees. And he is praying that believers would realise the enablement of God for their lives. He has spent the first three chapters building up the followers of Christ in the incredible things that God has already accomplished on there on our behalf. I read this. Um, Henry Haley, if you want a good little, um, a good little book to have with your Bible... Um, I, I encourage you to get, to get a copy, a copy of um, Haley's Bible Handbook. It's a precious tool that I've used for years, you know. And, um, but in responding to this opening chapter, he, he, read, he said this, The body of Christ is being built up out of unworthy, sinful people to be an everlasting demonstration of the kingdom of God. When God's, work, when God's work in us is complete, we will be creatures of, of, un, of unutterable bliss in a state of heavenly glory beyond anything we can now imagine. It will be God's work, not ours. And through the ages, heaven will never cease to respond with the glad hallelujahs from the grateful hearts of the redeemed. Isn't that wonderful? You know? 
God has lavished. This is the heart of what he's saying. God has lavished upon us the great wisdom and the understanding of the mystery of the glorious gospel of grace that saves people. He's lavished that upon us. We sit here today. You sit here today in your chairs. True. But you know where you're really seated, don't you? Where are you really seated, Christian? You are seated in heavenly places, right? It's because you are chosen, you are predestined, you are sealed. You have an inheritance that it will take all of eternity to be able to express the the incomparable riches of God's grace and mercy towards you. You see, see what, what Scripture does is it takes the time to ground people in the reality of the things that God has already done for us. Why? So that we might trust him to do the further things. So that we might trust him to do great things through us, in us and through us by the same power that he has done those things. Look, go back, flick back with me to the first chapter. And it says in verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding, again, Paul was praying, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe Did you hear that? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? And now in this third chapter, we we have the Apostle Paul on his knees praying that we might continue in that same power to be all that God wants us to be. There is much land yet to be taken. There is much to be done. He has worked in us. And certainly we rejoice in that, don't we? And we can look back and and see the wonderful things that God has done. Certainly, as he has brought us to a knowledge of Christ, he has opened our eyes to see that we need forgiveness, that we needed forgiveness, and that he had sent a saviour into this world, that God's love was manifest to all mankind and that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him will not perish but shall have everlasting life. Yeah, we can look back and we rejoice in the power of what God has done in our lives but just as importantly, this is Paul's prayer for us, just as importantly, he wants us to continue on for our lives to continue to be shaped and empowered by that same, that same power to this world around us. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says that we, he's look, describing us, he says, he says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is us. We're the earthen vessel. And you know what? The only special thing about me And I can say this about you. Don't throw anything at me. The only special thing about you that's worth anything of eternal substance is the treasure that's been placed inside of you. And the treasure is the power of the gospel message of Jesus Christ to save sinful people. That's the treasure. 
And Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. But that's only half the verse. The whole verse is this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence, what? Of the power may be of God <coughs> and not of me. This is, what, this is what Watchman Nee, some of you read not Watchman Nee, and you should do, by the way. Watchman Nee said this, The treasure transcends and overshadows the earthen vessel and manifests itself from within the vessel. This is the meaning of Christianity and of being a Christian. Look, he wants us to be his light to this world. He wants us to reflect the brightness of our hope in his love for all mankind. That's what he wants. He wants us to be the salt of this earth. You know what that is? It is his holy presence through our lives preventing corruption and decay in this world. That's why we're here. He wants us to bring this preserving morality to society around us. His holy presence. And what we see here is the, the Apostle Paul in this beautiful posture of bended knees, praying to God that he, that this would be what God would do in and, sorry, in and through us. Notice verse 16. He asked, and please notice that, he is asking God to do this. He, uh, that he would be strengthened, or we would be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. Paul is praying that God would do this. That, that out of the riches God will strengthen out of his riches, God's riches, that God would strengthen us with the power of his Holy Spirit. I just want you to think about that for a while. I want you to, I want you to meditate upon that this coming week. You know, his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God empowers your inner man with strength according to the scale of God's riches. What's that scale? That's immeasurable, isn't it? It's immeasurable. The Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit. And one last time, the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit at work within you. Where am I going with this? Not the greedy spirit. No, not the greedy spirit. Not the trendy spirit. Not the materialistic spirit. But the Holy Spirit will strengthen your inner man according to God's glorious riches. We are being renewed again by the Holy Spirit. And that's what our lives are to manifest. The renewal in holiness according to the preciousness of God's revelation to us. We are renewed. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We grow stronger and stronger according to the power of a holy God living within us. Think about that this week. 
Take time to let that resonate within your beings. Oh yeah, our bodies grow old, don't they? <laughs> you said amen. You know what first service did? They groaned. <laughs> you know? You were far... No, I can't say that. <laughs> our bodies grow old. Our bodies grow frail. But please, Christian, realise this. Pulsating within you is divine power. Our bodies grow old, our bodies grow frail, but pulsating within every born-again, blood-washed child of God is the pulsating power of the Holy Spirit to do God's work in your life and through your life to this world. That passage in 2 Corinthians that I read a moment ago, further on in chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, Therefore, this is the Apostle Paul, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet inward man is being what? Renewed day by day. And so the Apostle Paul is asking God not necessarily for material things. It's not where he starts. It's really interesting. I heard one commentator say on this, on this, on this subject that Paul, none of his prison epistles, Paul never prays for material blessing for people. Because that's not where it starts. That's not where it's at, quite frankly, you know. Paul, again, God is not necessarily, he's not asking God to provide material things. But the foremost thing is that there is a reality of Jesus Christ evident within our hearts by the expression of the life that we live. And so, see, we so often reflect, and this is, this is a failing part, I, think, I believe, of church culture, is that we so often reflect on what God does by looking upon the external material blessings that he has provided as evidence that I am spiritually growing. That's a mistake. Look, it's true God has provided for us because he does prov promise to provide for us, doesn't he? All our needs according to his riches and glory. Absolutely he promises to provide. But we so, on, so often look at those things. But the scripture doesn't start there. The scripture always starts where Paul prays. For the inner man. The inner man. Paul is praying for the day-by-day day renewing of the inner man by the power, I'll say it again, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He wants us to walk in the reality of the indwelling Spirit of Jesus Christ. So he prays that God would empower the inner man by the Spirit of God, why? So something can happen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Who we are, Christian, can only truly be measured by the motivation born out of the love of Christ within our hearts. You know? And let me tell you, that has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. can only be a work of the Holy Spirit. What we do 
And why do we do it? You know? If it's grudgingly, if it's grudgingly, if it's simply duty, if it's out of resentment because nobody else will step up to the plate and be counted, it's always left to me. Well, Paul is saying here that that is not the work of God through the grounding in God's love. Again, that's why Paul prays that believers would experience the strength of the might, that is the power of God's Spirit dwelling in our hearts. Making our hearts, what does that do? It's making our hearts rich earth that spring forth the fruit of his love. And Paul is simply saying by praying this prayer, it's there for you. It's there for us. And it's there for us in an ever-increasing capacity. That's what God will do. That's what God wants to do. That's why we read there that Christ may dwell within your hearts. Now, when he says Christ, that Christ may dwell within your hearts, so there's a work that has taken place within your hearts. It's the work of the what spirit? The Holy Spirit. So holy things have been happening within your heart that therefore make what? The dwelling place of Christ within my heart. When it says dwelling, it has the idea really of a once and for all settling down. It means to be comfortable. It, it means that Christ will fill at home within your heart. Now just think about it for a moment. Think about it for a moment. Jesus Christ, and excuse me, I'm only sharing this in the analogy of, of my own experience of what it is to be comfortable in my home. And you might experience it in a different way. But think about this. Think about this. Jesus Christ kicking off his shoes, kicking off his sandals, and reclining in the comfort of your heart. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? You know? But it's what God wants. It's really what God wants. Jesus said, he said, if a man, this is John chapter 14 and verse 23, and he said, if a man loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And what does it say? And then we will come unto him and make our abode in him. If the Spirit of God takes up residence within a human heart, then that human heart becomes a temple. A temple which makes it a dwelling place of the Holy God. Hard to imagine, right? We know it's true. You know why it's hard to imagine? It's hard to imagine because from my side of things, there's so much that goes on in this heart that I know that he's not comfortable with. You know? The, the psalmist in Psalm chapter 19, you know, again, we hear the same heart, the same cry. Let me read this to you. The psalmist says this. This is David, King David. He says, who can understand his errors? 
What man can understand his errors? In other words, he's saying, what man can really work out their heart? Who can understand? Who can... Where am I? Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from the presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. I shall be innocent of great transgressions. This is a prayer. This is very similar to to Paul's prayer. He's praying, I can't do this. I need your strength. Notice what he says. Let the words of my mouth, and please hear it, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight Oh, Lord, my strength. I don't have the strength. But, Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. And so the psalmist, like Paul, understands we need to come to God and ask him to do this in our hearts. It's not something that I can generate in and of myself. How many, and I don't think a lot of believers understand this. You know that? Because I think a lot of believers are saying, Oh Lord, oh Lord, and, and, it's, and it's a pure motivation, I know, but it's, Oh Lord, in my thoughts and my practices, I am going to be pure. What was wrong with that? Oh Lord, in my thoughts and in my practices, I am going to be pure. Pure. No, 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 you're not. Oh, no, you're not. It's God's grace according to the riches of his glory at work within your hearts. And we need to pray along with the Apostle Paul and again with the psalmist, Lord. Strengthen me in the inner man because that's where I'm failing. I can pretend on the outside like you could never believe. The inner man, Lord, by your spirit, Lord. So here it is. Do that, Lord, so that I will be rooted in the richness of your love in my heart. And and here's the thing. The fact that it's God's work really takes away any excuse that I can come up with to be bitter or to be resentful or to be unforgiving See, if you think that you have an excuse or have found a reason to be bitter, to be resentful, to be unforgiving, to be any, to be this way in any way, then we need to look at some lives. We need to look at the life of Joseph. We need to look at the life of, look at the life of Job. Look at some of the great, the great you know, the great saints like Corey Ten Boom, you know. And, and their lives, they are people whose lives were rooted in and grounded, that, that were grounded upon, speaking of the idea of a foundation. You know, we have this solid foundation that is the love of God, that is the work of God through Christ. And, and we, we dig our roots deep into that. Rooted and grounded in God's love. Of, for example, of Joseph. The Holy Spirit speaks. The scriptures speak. And I'll just read to you from Genesis chapter 49. 
And it says, Joseph is a fruitful bough. Even, even a fruitful bough by a well. It has a source for its strength. Whose branches run over the wall. And then down to verse 24. He, he, his bough abodes in strength. And the arm of his hands were made strong. How? By the hand of the mighty God of Jacob. And verse 25, even by, the great, even by the God of your Father who shall help you and by the Almighty who shall bless you with blessings of heaven above. I read that. You know where it takes me? It takes me straight to the Psalms, to the first Psalm. Is it up there behind me? And verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Again, this is what it is to be grounded and rooted in God, in God's love. So, so in light of, back at the start again, so in light of the truly wonderful things that God has done in my life by the power of his love, by the work of his spirit, according to the eternal riches of God, has it been loved by that? Or has it been my struggle? You answer for yourself. Has it been my struggle? Has my walk been tainted by my resentments? Has it been marred by the fact that I just look at everybody? And I'm working everybody out. I've got you all in a box. I've judged you all by my own judgmental heart. See, we all have to ask these questions, I believe, you know. Because if they ring true in any way, if it rings true in any way, then Paul wants us to know that God has the power to make things very different for us. Power to work in our heart. Power to work in your heart that you might be the person that God has already made you to be. He's already made you to be it. You know, this is who you will be. This is who God wants you to be. And you know what? When God does this, it opens up our hearts to be able to really grasp the truly powerful things of God, the truly life-changing things of God. Verse 18 says, you will be able to grasp. You may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you might be filled, get this, with all the fullness of God. I know they might just sound like words. Ah, oh, but this incredible richness in those words. Spurgeon said this. He said, alas, to a great many religious people, the love of Jesus is not a solid, substantial thing at all. He said of them, it is a beautiful fiction. It is a sentimental belief. It is a formal theory. It's an ideal out there for the super special people. I added that last bit on. That's not who it is to Paul. To Paul, the love of God is a real, substantial, measurable fact. See, if I asked you, how wide is God's love? 
God, you answered that. See, when I first read those verses years ago, it was... Is this just poet, poetry? Is this just... Is that what this is? No, this is not. But if I was to ask you, how, how wide is God's love? How long is God's love? How deep is God's love? How high is God's love? How would you measure it? How would you measure it? Well, let me ask you a question. Is it wide enough to include every man, woman and child that's ever been born into this world? Is it long enough to be able to last throughout all eternity? Is it deep enough to reach the worst of worst of sinners? Is it high enough that everybody might be able to be seated in heavenly places? And I know what you would say. Yes, 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 yes. And you would keep on saying yes, wouldn't you? Because that is measurable. Well, that's what God has for the heart that is rooted within him, grounded within him. It's the power of that love. The power of that love. That you might be filled, it says, with the fullness of God. Again, that's one of those statements that, my goodness, the fullness of God that you might be filled to your capacity with Jesus Christ. And, and, and as we understand, it's a growing capacity. It's not that you have a capacity, okay, okay, Jim Blunston can fit this much in. No, no, no. As the inner man grows by the power of the Holy Spirit according to the richness of God, what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, blessed is he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness for he shall be filled shall be filled. As you hunger and you thirst after the things of God, God fills you. But not to the sense that you're full and you can't take any more, but he fills you to the sense that you need more. I want more. It it establishes a desire and a hunger within your heart. I need more and more and more of God. And you can know the fullness of God. The fullness of God. Again, I, I, I struggle with that because when it talks about the fullness of God in the scriptures, it talks about in him who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Who's that talking about? Jesus Christ, yeah. Now, no way am I suggesting that you will become Jesus Christ, but there is ever-expanding fullness that God wants to pour into your life and it wants it to be experiential, not theoretical. To experience this at work within your life and you know it by faith, it's there for you. But we've got to take a hold of it. We've got to grasp it through faith in Jesus Christ. Someone said, put it this simple. I said, but how? And it's this simple. Well, you've got a Bible and you've got knees. Use them. Use them. We need to ask God to work this in our lives. Remember, right back at the very beginning this afternoon, this morning, God, Paul was saying, God, do this in them. And the only reason that Paul would pray, do this in them, is because he knew that they can't do it in themselves. And nothing's changed. Lord, do this in us. You know why? We need to ask Christian, every single one of you, you need to ask God to do this in you. 
You need to ask God for spiritual strength to let Christ dwell within you. In fact, we must. You know why we must? We must because there is someone else. There is someone else that resists the influence of the indwelling spirit. There is something that wants to be bitter. There's something that wants to be resentful. There's something that wants to be blaming everybody else for the problems. There's something that wants to be judgmental and and, and just put everybody's... You know what something is? Here he is. It's me. And you and I must know that that something can be conquered by the power of the Spirit of God at work within your lives that you might let Christ dwell. Let him be at home within your hearts that we might become all that God wants us to be. You know, I, I, I was going over this last night and I got to the end of it and I thought, I want to know, what I want to really know is what I want to know is, is, is who am I? Who, who am I really? Am I a person that is born out of a heart that is rooted in the love of Jesus Christ? Am I motivated by his love that knows no bounds? You know why I want to know that? The, the, the reason I want to know that it's because that gives, and it's, because that gives me value in this world. I'm here for a reason. There's purpose to me being here. It's not just a facade. I have been His light in this world. I, I have been the salt of the earth. And, and if and if so, regardless of any human resource I may have. I can know that God is going to do more. And he's going to keep on doing more. In fact, the closing doxology only reminds me that this is what God wants to do. It's very simple, isn't it? What does it say? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. So very simple. So very, very simple. Whatever God has done. In fact, whatever God has done in, in the history, recorded history of his word, everything that you have ever experienced, everything that you can think of, any experience that you can imagine, what God wants to do is beyond that. Is beyond that. And that makes life an incredibly exciting prospect, doesn't it? What he wants is not limited by the confines of what I ask or what I think. And quite frankly, I think, I know, I know, I I limit God by the conservativeness of my nature. I I know that he wants to go way beyond wherever I, he wants to go way beyond where I am so often too afraid to step. I know that. God works in a place that is so above, again, what I am or what I think. And just as wonderfully, 
It is according to his power that works within us. And that means, brothers and sisters, family of God, as Paul introduced us, that means if we have Christ dwelling within our hearts, if we are rooted in his love, if we are walking in the fullness of God, then true is the saying. What is the saying? The best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, oh, it's so true, Lord. Unto you be all the glory. But Father, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for who you are and what you have done for us and what you have begun in us. We thank you for the promises of your word, that you will complete that. We, we thank you, Father, that you are the one who has ordered our steps. We thank you, Father, there is plan and purpose, there is reason, there is value to our existence. We're here for a reason, holy God. Holy, holy God. So I pray, Father, for all of us that you would strengthen our inner man according to the riches of your glory. Lord, that you will, Lord, enable us, help us, move us into a life that is rooted and grounded in your love and that we would discover that ever that ever-expanding capacity to receive and to grow in your fullness, Lord God. Oh, do these things in us, I pray. Precious Lord, those exceedingly abundant things that are above all that we ask or think, let it be according to the power, the power that you work in us, holy God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.